Hey, what's going on, guys? Your host, George McKay. I am here live, well, not really live, pre-recorded via Skype with a very special guest, someone I am so excited to talk to. I think he's probably hands down one of the best wrestlers around right now, and that's not kissing any ass. That's just being completely real. Let's go ahead and introduce him, RJ City. Welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, sir. Oh, hello. How are you? How's everybody? That's important. How how are you? Answer that question. And I'm I, just you're I'm good. fantastic. Don't give me this. I'm oh, you're fantastic. Okay. Yes. Did you have a good day? I mean, why are you fantastic? I'm fantastic because I woke up next to my beautiful wife, took oh. my beautiful children to school and daycare, went and had a decent day at work, and now I'm coming back after dinner and I'm sitting down talking with you. Yeah, you're unwinding. Yeah, I'm very relaxed right now. What did you eat? <laughs> uh, what did I have for dinner? Well, I don't know if it fits your dietary regimen, but I had McDonald's. Oh, but yeah, but what did you have? They have a, quite a diverse menu. I had two. I had two junior chickens and a medium Coke. Wow, very nice. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the junior chicken. I'm not so much a fan of the full McChicken, but I do like the junior chicken. Yeah, sometimes you can have too much McChicken. You yeah, know? you can. You I have not had like a full ass uh, Coke or Sprite in like years. So anytime I get like a sip, I get really overwhelmed by it. <laughs> what do you mean? You get like really hyped up? Well, yeah, I get the the rush of flavor, and it's so like highly carbonated. It's like they, it's like aggressively carbonated, and it's a lot of fizzing. For my body, that it was just we were just not ready for it. Uh, <laughs> so you do you like like the like the um how do I put it like the Perriers where you get the kind of carbonation but it's still refreshing or I've had so so much carbonation. I used to like Perrier. Um, now they have Lacroix, which is like Perrier for assholes. <laughs> and then my grandfather has the wonderful Soda Stream. Which will carbonate the water for you. That's and that, I, I don't have one of those, but I heard they're pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, for my for my grandfather, that's the equivalent of Jesus turning water into wine. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That's pretty. That's pretty close. Pretty accurate, right there. A very accurate yeah. interpretation for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. The whole wine deal was cool, but if he could just throw a couple bubbles in the water, I think everyone would have been just as happy. I I I have to agree with you. There's not much I could disagree with you on that statement. Yeah. And then what do you what do you fucking say, you know, to him? You've got to taste that wine. And my question, and I have so many questions about that, is is it a Cabernet? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What is that wine? Where did those grapes come from? How does Jesus put together a wine? What where is it on the dryness scale? And what if you taste it? You know when your friends have their like, oh, I have this uh, my own label of wine, I made it myself. They're all shit. They always suck. But you got to pretend you like it. I mean, imagine saying to Jesus, like, oh, yeah, this wine's great. Imagine having to lie to the Lord about how good the wine is. Yeah, that's going to send you right right downstairs for sure. You're not, you're not going to go to a ticket upstairs. That's 100% sure on that. Yet, yet, you know, according to the scripture, he was essentially human, just like us all. And he ebbed and flowed, and he was not perfect. Um, so maybe there is a message in his wine not being very good. I would have to say it's probably the wine you would get, say, at a Vin Bon, maybe. You know, okay. it would be a little yeah. pungent, but not yeah. 100% great. 
Yeah, maybe the kind of wine you would get in first class. Yes. I've never yeah. had first class wine. I've only had coach wine. So some of us are living better than others, I must say. Right. Right. Well, some of us are obviously closer to the Lord. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, RJ, talk to me about um, everyone kind of has that defining moment where they fell in love with wrestling. Now, I know you're not just a wrestler. We'll touch on a couple other things as we go. But everyone has that defining moment where they fell in love with the sport that we're going to be talking about today. Do you remember your defining moment? I don't because I, I – my assumption is it was so early that it's before my ability to remember. I don't remember not wanting uh, to be involved in wrestling. It was so stupid as a child that I said, how can I not? I mean, in the same vein, you want to be a Power Ranger or a fire truck. Uh, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I also wanted to be on The Muppet Show. So uh, honestly, wrestling seemed to be the easier path that yeah. certainly required less talent um <laughs> so that always stuck with me and then it, it was a thing i think my parents supported because they were you know good people but it was certainly under the assumption that i would grow out of it i'd say by 12 to 15 they hoped i would grow out of it um and unfortunately it only got worse okay do you uh did you have any early or uh, influences that you really struck a chord with you, like any wrestlers that you watch them do their stuff in the ring and you were like, man, uh, this guy I respect, this guy I love, this guy is a guy that I kind of want to model who I am after. Um, I always loved Roddy Piper. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Rick Rude. I love Bobby Heenan. And the more I watch it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, like he still holds up. Like he was just like a really, really good. Um, I'd say those three. And then of course, you know, I'm not going to say Hulk Hogan. Cause that's like saying you listen to the Beatles. That's like meaningless, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, of course. Um, so I'd certainly say those, those three looking back on like what I'm doing with my life now, uh, I would say those three had a sizable impact. Uh, you know what? I have to agree with me. I was a, I was a big fan. I mean, I'm half Scottish, so right away, Roddy Piper struck a chord with me just because of the look. But I also love the fact how he got right up in your face. He said what he had to say, and he never regretted it. And Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, those were probably hands down, that was probably, in my opinion, hands down, one of the best commentating teams of all time. Nobody and could touch how a, they played off each other. And, you know, hosting that show, I mean, that show, primetime wrestling essentially should suck. Because there's so much of like just them talking and really doing nothing, and then they throw to a couple matches. But they were so entertaining that it can be ten minutes of them just talking, and it, and it works about nothing, talking about nothing at all. Going to I don't know those weird uh, Wild West reenactment things. They oh. did they do weird things like that. And you're like, why yep. are they going here? But when you have talented people like that, you can stick them anywhere, and it's enjoyable. It's, you know what? I, I Again, I, I really can't disagree. So training-wise, who did you start training? Where did you start training? And when did you start training? Uh, well, I was trained in, I would say, 1973 uh, by the wonderful Jerry Lewis in the Catskill Mountains. Um, <laughs> certainly the training there was rigorous, uh, number one, because of the altitude. And number two, he smoked the whole time. Uh, so, but, but with, with a purpose. Of course. 
of course. You know, you got to get used to the second hand. It prepares you for the rigors of the ring. If you can take taking an arm drag or giving a hip toss is one thing. Do it while a guy's blowing smoke in your face. <laughs> that that's that's hard to do. You know, um, and then you know he always wanted me to get to that level where I could wrestle with a cigarette dangling out of my mouth. He was very adept at it. I didn't have the lips for it. I had the lungs. My lungs were well conditioned, but I didn't have the lips for it. So that was kind of my uh, wax on, wax off moment that I never quite got to. So you never, you never were able to impress Jerry in that in that way. No, no, and he's one of those people who maybe you'll never, even if you have his respect, maybe you'll never know you have it. He was that. He was just that type of guy. Did he ever quote any lines from his movies? Like, you know, one sticks out with me the most be Nutty Professor when he's trying to make that drink and he slaps the bartender and he goes, shut up and pay attention. Did he ever say oh, stuff yeah, like the, that? The Alaskan polar bear heater is yes. the drink he's talking about. Yes. yes. Uh, he would say some wonderful inspirational quotes to me like, even in the wah! Like that. And they would stick with me. And on the ride home, I would think, what does he mean? You know, and he, of course, he meant a variety of different things because he's a deep, layered person in that kind of sense so things like that uh stick with me one day i'm sure i'll, I'll, I'll get a tattoo saying it yeah that 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 would be where would you get that would you get that on your shoulder would you get that on your arm your leg maybe your butt your back well i'll, I'll have to see how long it is first oh, okay right yeah it could take up quite a bit of space right in terms of your career and all the great things you've done, um, you know, doing my research as I always try to do to prepare for these interviews, um, I watched a little bit, not all of it, I wasn't able to finish it, but I did watch a little bit of Monster Brawl. Oh, uh, God. Tell me about that. How did that whole experience kind of come about? Um, I believe they were, well, certainly the, these young gentlemen, uh, the company's in Foresight Features. They had an idea of uh, a movie about wrestlers, uh, monsters wrestling. And I think one of them had seen me at a show or one of their fathers had seen me at a show. And they were they were like, you have to get him. So they I was brought on like fairly early. And then I was able to recommend like uh, Courtney Rush is in the movie who plays uh, she plays witch bitch. Um, like she's, uh, you know her as Rosemary mm-hmm. uh, in Impact. Uh, who else? Rico Montana is in it, who's a, a wonderful wrestler. Uh, a bunch of people like that. So I helped them on that end. And then it was just, you know, really a, a chic show from there in the best way possible. Was it, a, was it a rigorous process or was it just a whole lot of fun? Oh, no, it was terribly, terribly. I mean, it's weird always wrestling without an audience. It's like so much less enjoyable when there's no one reacting to what you're doing and you have to do the same thing over and over again. Like so many times when you wrestle, you're like, ah, this is going to hurt, but I'll just do it once and whatever. But then you're like, well, I have to do it eight times to complete silence. Um it's a lot harder on your body. Plus, we had to do it with a terrible amount of makeup on uh, and prosthetics and things of that nature. So, yes, it was incredibly, incredibly draining. And I, I played the mummy in it in addition to the Wolfman. And the mummy suit, it was, it was a big ordeal to pee in it. There was no like zip off, like it was on. And once it was on, it was like it was going to take a while to pee. And then 
I was getting terribly dehydrated because I couldn't drink because if I drink, I'd have to pee. And then that was a whole thing. So in the interest of time, I, I wrestled quite dehydrated that day. Wow. Well, hey, that, whatever you could do for the art, right? I mean, it's all about the art at that point. Uh, yes, and uh, I hope you're using art in the loosest term imaginable. <laughs> I was trying to be candid, but you, you're you stealing my thunder. I don't know what to say. Well, uh, I'm being candid. I just, you know, art is a very uh, lofty term to be thrown out there. I don't think we'll be seeing it at the Cannes Film Festival anytime soon. No, definitely, definitely not. But it's still, it was pretty cool to say that and, and to, to watch what I, I haven't finished it all, but I will, you know, get through the last half an hour next day or two. Um, yeah, you need to see the conclusion, that's for sure. Especially cool. for, you know, a miscreant like you who has a wrestling podcast, I would say it's certainly up your alley of, of films. Oh, 100%. That, uh, any of the documentaries that I can get my hands on, any of the any knowledge that I could pick up and gain, because I mean I've been a fan since you know as far back as I can remember, which is five or six, and right. just just starting this off two years ago and speaking to who I've been able to speak to, it's been very humbling and it's been such an honor to talk to everybody that I've spoken to, yourself included. Of really, course. everybody? Yes, that's kind of a real blanket statement. I I can't imagine that if you had to pick the lowest on the rung. Oh. You're what putting... was your worst episode? And it doesn't have to necessarily be a reflection of the person. What was your worst podcast performance? Probably one of, probably the very first episode. I was yeah. just trying to figure out what I was doing, and it absolutely sucked. And yeah. who was on the show? No one. At that time, it was just me talking about Raw and SmackDown results, because I was trying to figure out where I was going to go with this thing. Right. It was me and my, actually, it was me and my co-host at the time. And your co-host has since passed away? No, he hasn't passed away. He uh, he went on another avenue. He went to explore other options for himself. And I decided to pick this up and take it and run with it and see how far I could go. Well, and here we... And what's he doing? Uh, he actually is... Um, he's a drummer by trade. His, actual, his name is Steve the Animal Mitchell. He's a drummer. He's kind of in between bands right now, but he's also working on uh, a mental health uh, web, webisode series that he just dropped the first episode recently a couple weeks ago actually so you get a chance to check it out it's called animal brain it's about him and kind of his up and down down paths in the mental health uh side of things and uh he's also uh got a budding photography and videography business so wow, well isn't that nice yeah he's doing he's killing it doing his thing and i'm killing it doing this so sure again yeah. killing it is a loose term but continue continue <laughs> <with> the- <laughs> um <clears throat> so talk to me about your love and your passion for the Golden Girls, especially B. Arthur. Tell me where that kind of stems from. Yeah, it, it, it's really more or less B. Um, no offense to the other ones, except for Betty White, because she's a scumbag. Um, I think B is wonderful and, and fantastic. And, you know, Jerry Lewis said to me, that's, that's someone I should really embody. Uh, put Rick Rude and Roddy Piper aside, that's someone who he likened me to and I thought that was very important and I paid tribute to her with my finishing move knee Arthur and in many ways when I pull that knee pad down I, I feel like she comes through me in a wacky seance kind of way but but so it was Jerry Lewis that turned you on to her or did you kind of find her on your own well I found her on my I mean how can you not find her but Jerry said no no study her and she she really reminds me of you, he said. And I, I took that to heart. 
And I tried to, you know, live up to her work. I think to myself, what if the wonderful Beatrice Arthur was a wrestler? What would she, what would B do? Um, so that's, that's a motto I have in the back of my head. And maybe I'll get that tattooed next to the Jerry Lewis phrase. You're, you're filling up your, your ink very quickly. I love it. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'll just get a henna. That way, if I regret it, it'll be done in a couple weeks. Yeah, that that's probably a smart choice. It's kind of like a, a try before you buy kind of deal. Absolutely, I miss the old press on tattoos. Oh, they those, were the ones you used to get at the grocery store in the bubblegum machine for like twenty five cents. Yes, they were terrible and also wonderful at the same time. They 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 did have that cross between. So I I actually did. This is kind of in doing my research. This is kind of something that's burned a hole in my pocket. So I got to ask the question: You and David Arquette. I yeah. watched the kind of whole thing you posted on Twitter, like the whole anthology of the beef. Yes. And, and I just, I got to say it was, it was hilarious. Uh, the whole thing was absolutely amazing. Your promo skills are fantastic, much like Roddy Piper. So I can understand why he was an influence, but talk to me about that, that whole anthology of, of that coming together. Did the beef start? I mean, it, you showed the whole anthology, but it didn't really kind of mention a starting point. It just really much mentioned you in the one video making coffee in your underwear, saying that he had been responding to a lot of your tweets. Was it him that yeah. kind of got the ball rolling, or was it you kind of saying, "Hey, come on, let's let's see if I can fish for a, a B style celebrity," and he just kind of popped up? No, he had uh, followed me. I think a friend of his was uh, a fan of mine, and said, so "You got to follow this guy." And he followed me, and uh, obviously he liked me because uh, he was just hopping on my tweets, just in a, I guess, in an unassuming way. But he's, uh, he kind of walks into situations like that in the most genuine way possible, genuinely um, annoying. And then it really started with uh, what you see, uh, me calling him out for, for just liking all my tweets. And I felt like he was siphoning uh, popularity off of them. I think he was trying to ride the coattails off my tweets. So I said something. It was not planned. He had no warning. And uh, here we are um, a little over a year later. And what uh, an incredibly trying journey it's been. <laughs> trying in, in a good way or a very, very tough way? Uh, well, it certainly tried my patience. You know, uh, trying to make something productive out of it. And how Sorry. was how was teaming with him? Because I I was able to see the match where you you kind of clobbered him with the knee, and you you got your you know you got the finally we got the big peak finish, and then it came and to actually, a, to be honest with you, that mm -hmm. was the, the period. I gave him a black eye thanks to to B Arthur, who was probably not a fan of him either, and and that should have been the end of the sentence. Fade to black, roll credits. Uh, but certainly he's, he's a man who does not know when to leave. And he, he ponzied me into this deal where if I <laughs> team with him, he would get me on a talk show and we've since teamed everywhere. Uh, you know, all, all in the States, Canada, we were on impact. We did house of hardcore. Uh, we did a whole schlamazel with, uh, Cole Cabana. And unfortunately, due to the terms of my agreement, we may be teaming again in the future. And yet, not one talk show, nothing. Um, so I'm I'm very frustrated by that, certainly, because uh, that that was the you know terms of the deal here.
man, he didn't live up to the deal. So, like, the next time you team, are you going to tell him, I need a guaranteed talk show time or a guaranteed talk show period that's actually on cable television or I'm not getting in the ring? I'm telling him every day. And he's saying, oh, I talked to, I called Maury. They didn't answer. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think Kimmel has perhaps blocked his calls. So we're really finding out the the extent of his celebrity reach. (laughs) But I have faith uh, one day. He certainly feels guilty enough. So I I, I feel like uh, one day soon he'll come through. In what kind of manner? I'm not quite sure. So I was actually able to – my daughter wanted me to uh, mention hello to you because her and I were at Destiny Power Slam when you kind of made your return to Destiny Wrestling in Mississauga. And uh, she loved the whole shtick that you did with um, uh, Jim Hacksaw in the ring. She loved the Golden Girls theme, and she actually got to take a picture of you, which I uh, shared on my Instagram. And she thinks you're absolutely uh, hilarious. And she just wants to know um, how it was to be in the ring with a Jim Hacksaw Duggan. Because I I do as well, because, I mean, he is a legend in the sport. Yes, he has... um incredibly he's one of those people where you're like oh like this is the way like wrestlers look you know he has a very like that's what a wrestler used to look like (laughs) um me i'm like he has very large hands incredibly large fists it's the craziest thing and i i know him uh because we've been on shows before but i've never worked with him and uh it's kind of a I'm sure it was a lot for me to explain to him what I planned on doing and who I was. It was a lot to take in. But he was game, and he was sweet. And uh, I think there was a little bit of an emotional connection there when I started singing. And I don't think either of us were prepared uh, to feel that between us. But we felt it, and we held on to it, and we didn't run away from it, which is great. Yeah, you kind of you kind of messed the whole thing together, and it was great to to see you back at Destiny. I mean, you were you were a former Destiny World Wrestling Champion. I mean, it's got to be a big deal to kind of come home to the company that you were the top of the mountain for a bit of time, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I whatever the mountain is, I do what I do, no matter where I am on the mountain, whether I'm on the top or the bottom. Well, whatever. I'm not a bottom. I don't want you spreading a rumor that I'm a bottom. I don't <laughs> But wherever I am on the card, my deal is my deal. So I I usually focus on that. In terms of your social media and how fantastic you are using it to your advantage, one of my favorite videos that you posted was one I think you posted, it was a couple weeks ago, and it was how to cut a promo. And you just lit it up. Where do you get the inspiration for the videos? Because, I mean, if I'm an up-and-coming talent and I'm trying to break into this industry and kind of trying to find my way, I mean, you're kind of giving out a lot of great tips and charisma stuff for free. Where do these ideas come from? Do you just record them and hope for the best? Or do you actually plan them? Are they very um, situated in when you release them and how you release them? Um, I, I, I release them as they come. I feel like they're, they bubble up inside me due to resentment and anger and bitterness. And then the next thing I know, I go, oh, I have a whole video here. So they're not... Uh, I don't sit down and go, I have to come up with a video. I have a video deep inside of me uh, that needs to come out. And it's a good cleanse. It's very therapeutic for me uh, to just let it all out. And then, uh, you know, who knows? If you want to be a wrestler, now you have a handy video guide. Maybe I should be doing a master class. You know, one of those online deals like Scorsese does. 
uh, and Kevin Spacey did. But uh, for some reason, I can't find those videos anymore. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I should just... Uh, I shouldn't put them out for free. Maybe I should just start charging people. And, you know, I'm able to give back what was so generously given to me by Jerry Lewis all those years ago. In terms of... Let's think down the road. Let's think... I don't know, maybe not so far down the road, but let's think dream match. If there's anyone in this business, independent or in one of the major companies that you would love to get in the ring with and wrestle, who would it be and what type of match would it be? Well, um, I did say uh, after David, which is certainly something I was not anticipating, that anything is really possible. So the next name on my list would be the wonderful Alfred Molina who seems to be both a better actor and, I'm going to hazard a guess, a better wrestler than David, too. I think he'll give me a good run for my money. I'd love to hear the City versus Molina promos. I think that would be a very hot uh, item. Um, beyond that, there are people I enjoyed wrestling that I feel like uh, we, should, we should do it again, probably in a deeper, more me meaningful way. Uh, one of those people is Dalton Castle. Um, I enjoy working called Cabana. It was a fun hoot time. We had, you know, a fun time. Uh, Billy Gunn was a blast. There's people like that who I'm like, ah, oh, let's just all wrestle again, uh, and enjoy ourselves. So I, I don't have a dream. Uh, my dream have, has long since faded. Uh, so I live with myself now. I hang my head in shame. <laughs> oh man, you, this is, this has been amazing so far. In terms of fans and how sometimes fans kind of read between the lines or they take things too far, has there ever been a fan at any show that you've done that has been such a mark and been so invested in either hating or loving you that they've maybe taken things too far? Uh, maybe the kid that spit in my face. I think he would probably be at the top of the list. I remember being outside the ring and I got hit. And it's so it's so funny when your body, like your face, feels like oh that spit. I'm like it, it immediately tells your brain someone just spit on you. And it, I got obviously very angry, and I turned around, and it was like a kid. I don't know if he was like ten or twelve. And then I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna hit a kid? What is my, what is my solution at this point? And then also like sitting next to a parent who is not admonishing him for spitting. Um, and then I was just like, what a weird menagerie of people you are. I don't know quite what to say to you. Um, but I guess in many ways, it's a tribute to me that he felt so strongly that he said, my saliva needs to go on that man's face. <laughs> uh, if let's say, one of the higher up companies was to call you say a WWE or an AEW were to call you and, and offer you a, a contract to do you and be you and not stifle you creatively. Is there yeah. anyone in those two companies that you would love to kind of mix a promo with in terms of their talent and what they bring? Oh my, there's a lot of people. Um, certainly MJF who I've been on a bunch of shows with and I'm, I'm, Frustrated we haven't got the, the chance uh, to work. There are people I love uh, as friends, and I would love the chance to work with them. 
Uh, Scott Dawson from The Revival is an underrated promo, especially, you know, for a tag team guy, I feel like promos get overlooked in general. I think he does a uh, fantastic job. Who else? Um, Xavier Woods is a fan of the Golden Girls and Betty White, so I feel like there's a ready-made feud there. I don't think we have to force too much animosity. So, uh, people like that. Um, yeah, I, I would. Uh, what about you? What do you think? What's on, what's in your mind? In, in my mind, uh, for you, I could really see you running a great program with uh, WWE wise. I'd have to say Kevin Owens, just because your mic skills are almost on par, if not better. The sarcasm, uh, the the quick delivery, the wit—it's all right there. And if I were to go AEW, I would have to say you could probably run a killer promo with a Chris Jericho just because of, again, the wit and the mic skills are impeccable and the promo package would be great, but the match would deliver as well. Um, Oddly enough, Chris and I have some very uh, interesting parallels. We both had our own web series on CBC and uh, we both hosted Sunday Night Live uh, at Comedy Bar in Toronto. So I think uh, we're we're on more equal footing than perhaps we realize. It seems to be. It almost seems to be like your paths are destined to uh, to uh, connect at one point or another. And I think that would be a match that would deliver on all scales. But I do. I am intrigued by the um, the the possibility of the MG, MJF feud because I think again because he's such he's so charismatic and so are you that that would be one heck of a promo package. The back and forth on that would be easily sellable to anybody who would, would would pay for it. Or maybe it's too much of a good thing, just like you can have too much of McChicken. That's you true. Know? That's true. Maybe there's no, the best part is when you think something will work and there's zero chemistry there at all. Um, Has that ever yeah. happened? Have you actually oh, been putting yes. – Okay. Can, yes. can we talk about that? Yeah, I'm trying to think of people who are like, ah, uh, I can't think of specific – examples maybe one will come to me but there's been situations where i thought oh this will be great and then a lot of people will um a lot of bookers will make the mistake of booking me against someone who's similar to me or they do this a lot they'll book a high flyer against a high flyer or a technical guy against a technical guy and i think the fun of wrestling and the psychology of it is in the contrast of a high flyer against a brawler or a technical guy against a dastardly heel. Like, the contrasts, to me, are what's fun. I mean, if it was Andre the Giant against Andre the Giant, it would be very lumbering. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need, you need to ebb and flow. You need a funny guy. You need a straight guy. You can't have two Bud Abbots or two Lou Costellos. You can't do who's on first like that. So you need a little bit of both. So I always strive for... Uh, there's some people who... I don't anticipate on having chemistry with, and then it feels great. Uh, Psycho Mike was a good example. He's someone I wrestled a bunch and then teamed with, and I don't. I think both of us did not anticipate getting so much joy out of our various uh, work together. In terms of uh, titles that you're holding now, do you have any current championships that you are holding? I mean, I, I found some some research on the internet, but as we all know, the internet can lie. So I don't want to say something and be like, no, no, I'm not holding that. Is there any current championships that you are holding down right now? Uh, I am the current uh, Greek Town Cup champion. And fun fact, 
the cup burned down in a fire. So I had the opportunity to essentially make my own. And I have this darling custom-made black satin sash uh, that has my name on it. And for all intents and purposes, that's my championship. That's the one you're representing to the highest points right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone else can have a belt. Let's see Harley Race pull off a sash. You know what I'm saying? 100% agree with you. You have to have a certain charisma to definitely pull off the sash. Yeah, certainly. And the right hips. <laughs> Has there ever been a situation in terms of promoters, because we talked about that, where they've kind of booked you in situations that are head scratchers? Has there ever been a situation where a booker's come to you and said, okay, listen, I'm going to put you in a match with this guy, and it's going to be uh, a false count anywhere, or it's going to be a, a steel cage match. It's going to be a match that you may have not wrestled, that you kind of were like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that right now. Um, usually, it, it's just because they, they throw them out there for, like, no reason. Um, like, oh, you're, it's a five guy, you're in a ladder match with five other guys, uh, and you're going for this contract for something, and I'm like, why? And they don't really have an answer. I'm like, well, that's not a very good use of me. <laughs> um, if if you can build to it, if you can make it worth something, uh, then it would be much better. I mean, street fights and whatever, you can't just throw them out randomly. Um, so I, I I always hate like lack of logic. I fight against that um, a lot. But when we, when you have time and you can work together with someone and build a story over a number of months or whatever, then those things are are, are really, really worth it. And uh, I don't just go out randomly and, and do a bunch of stupid shit. I mean, by that, I mean I, I plan my stupid shit as, <laughs> as carefully as possible. So, but don't you find that in the indie scene, sometimes it's hard to really build a storyline because sometimes you're getting booked here, there and, and everywhere and you don't really have that time to build a story. So sometimes you get thrown together out of necessity. I get the logic part. I agree with you. I'm a big storyline guy. I like to see the build, but I also like to see the culmination of the build. And sometimes on the independent circuit, it's hard to really get the build. You kind of have to just go with the culmination. Does that, does that frustrate you at some points that sometimes you can't always build the story? Uh, you can't build it in the traditional way. A lot of guys want to book their angles like their monthly, uh, that their weekly TV. And when you're running like once every other month, you can't tell that kind of story. However, uh, what bridges the gap is my social media. Um, and when you think how little David and I spent together time-wise uh, before our feud... We, we saw each other, what, once or twice before we actually wrestled? And the whole feud was on social media. So I believe a story can be told, just not the way uh, we're most used to it. That's true. I actually have to I, – I withdraw my statement. You are 100% uh, correct. I, I do want to touch on something because I'm a big revival guy. I actually love the revival. I think they're under, underutilized as it is now. In terms of tag team wrestling, because you kind of mentioned promos is a lost art, is there a tag team other than maybe, say, the Revival or the New Day that sticks out to you as a tag team that had or had great promo skills that you felt didn't really get the fair recognition that they could have deserved? Oh, my. that's You know what? Well, this is slightly off topic. I just was watching a promo of the nat uh, Natural Disasters, and both of them had so much phlegm. 
They were, blah, blah, blah. they were yelling like that. And I was like, oh, my, there's spit and phlegm going everywhere. It was crazy. Um, who had good promos? I mean, obviously, the, the uh, Brain Busters and Bobby Heenan. It's, and it's really hard to cut a promo as a tag team. You have to be in sync. It's a different thing. And just because you have two good promo guys doesn't mean that they'll cut a good promo together. Um, Legion of Doom fit together well. I don't think their promos would be amazing on their own, but like together it was like so much fun. Um, who else am I missing? God, I'm just thinking about tag teams now. My favorite are like uh, Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis. Amazing mm. team. Uh, it's so nice to see two guys who like don't dress the same, don't act the same, and you know, two odd couple. Uh, certainly teaming with David, I relate to that heavily. Um, <laughs> and I lo- also love like uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens uh, with Bobby Ean. And guys like that were just like, they felt, re- they also looked like real old men, like in the best way. Like they look like adults. I feel like I, I will never look like an adult in that way. I feel like as long as I see a Nick Bogwinkle, I'll always feel like I'm 12 years old. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite tag team promos of all time was one that the Hart Foundation did. It was right after they left Jimmy Hart as their manager. And they were talking about how he's screwing them out of money. And at first, Brett starts off real angry. You screwed me out of this. You screwed me out of that. Then Jim the Amble kind of pulls him back. And he's like, cool down, baby. Cool down. That's 20% more. We're going to hit him. 20% more. We're going to knee him in the face. 20% more, we're going to elbow them. And they just they just took it to a whole nother level of how they went back and forth. That's probably hands down one of my favorite promos. And it's probably one of the uh, promos a lot of people maybe don't remember. But uh, when Jim the Anvil passed away, I actually went online and started looking up old promos. And that was one that I had forgotten about that was just that good. Yeah, it's nice to have that uh, contrast. Because they obviously they were not the same guy and they didn't work the same. And they complimented each other. And it's just... Sometimes that makes a much stronger pairing. A hundred percent. You've got to have that chemistry, which obviously I know you bring more out of the, the tag team than David does. I know you're carrying the partnership and it's, yeah, you, it's you unfortunate. Think like, obviously I'm holding up the wrestler end, but like you think he would be the promo guy too. And it's not the case, is it? No, not at all. It's, it's funny, like wrestling and acting and, and I do both and they're similar in a lot of ways, but a lot of ways they're different and you can't just, you know, jump into it, uh, like jump back and forth. There are a lot of, of differences. Uh, and sometimes it is like a whole different ball game that you're just not ready for. So what he's doing the best he can and he's coming along, he's coming along swimmingly. And unfortunately Jerry Lewis has passed away. So I can't send him anywhere to be trained. <laughs> yeah, that's that is unfortunate. We did lose a legend, hundred percent on that. What's in the, in the terms of RJ City and future plans? Because I'm always a guy who likes to look forward, never backwards. In terms of future plans, what's next for you? What next big moves are coming up? If you're allowed to talk about them, if you can talk about them, or what's RJ City's five year plan? Oh, so like my philosophy at this point in my life, um is this last year, obviously if you said uh, I would be wrestling and then teaming with David Arquette and not getting on the talk show, I'd say you're out of your fucking mind. Um, So I like to not even look ahead. I like to look in front of me 
and do the best shit I can now and then be open to like whatever the fuck goes on. Um, I never thought I would have a web series where I'm doing crafts. I never thought I'd have a Sunday morning show where I'm making coffee in my underwear. Um, so I enjoy, I look forward to things that I couldn't even anticipating happening. If that makes any sense. Obviously, you know, there's a very clear path that a lot of guys say, I want to do, I want to go here. I want to do this. And like, that's great, but it's very, very predictable. Like if it works for them, amazing. It's not working for me. I want to do um, some different shit. And certainly that may be a total risk, but we'll see if it pays off. No, I appreciate the answer. The answer is honest. And that's what I, I look forward the most. As much as these interviews are fun and lighthearted, I always appreciate the honesty and the straight upness, hence straight talk wrestling. So I appreciate that. Um, that's kind of all the questions that I have. This interview has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Did you want to shout out your socials and any upcoming shows that you are uh, appearing at? Um, upcoming shows. I'll, I will be defending uh, my sash uh, in Greektown, which is on. Hold on. I have a little book here. It tells me when it is. It's uh, Sunday, June 23rd in Greektown. After that. Um, I may be taking a trip down south. You may be hearing of sooner rather than later. And then Saturday, June 29th, I'm back in good old Buffalo, uh, ESW wrestling, where I'm having a hot and heavy feud with Gregory Iron, who, even though I love him, we lost a couple matches as a team, and the rules dictate that uh, we must feud. So it's heartbreaking to me. I'm not going to shout out my socials, because I feel like people can find me. They can be adults. They can Google my name and they can figure out shit on their own. It's time to grow up. You know what my name is? It's it's on the little podcast thing you're listening to. So you just type it in and figure it out. Do your own work. All right. RJ City, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I just want to let you know that you are officially now a member of the Straight Talk family. And anytime you want to come back on the show, I would love to have you either in studio, Skype, maybe live at a future event. It would be amazing to sit down and talk with you again because this interview has been my funnest so far. Well, let's see how this one does first. Let's see what the response is and then we'll go from there. Let's not uh, put the carts in front of the horse. Absolutely. My apologies, sir. Thank you again for taking the time. I appreciate it and you enjoy the rest of your evening. Oh God, I will try. Thank you. All right. Take care, RJ. Take it easy. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that was RJ City. It was absolutely epic to sit down and talk with him. It was a fantastic interview. I had fun. I hope you guys had fun. As always, that's a wrap for this this week's episode. Next week, we're going to have another great one for you. Can I tell you? No, I can't. (laughs) It's going to be a surprise. We are so much more closer to the 100 episode right now, which is going to be something pretty special. I got something in the works for that, but I'm not going to give it away because I don't want to give it away because I want you guys to continue to tune in every single week. As always, I am your host, George McKay. Thank you so much for listening to Straight Talk Wrestling. And that is a wrap. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!